Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. France are going to the World Cup. Get over This fellow Ronaldo is a cop. Boom, 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 foul. Boom, 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 yellow card. Nah, that's actually a After I have to use mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't draw teacups. It's not my style. I think I'd rather throw punches. What you doing down here, you shiny man? <laughs> it's the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast pre-Republic of Ireland versus Germany. Owen, oh, Ken and Murphy are all decked out in green. Um, not a hint of green. I couldn't well, find my scarf this morning. I Would you believe that? Owen, I can't believe you just said you that. Could, can, uh, because... You have a scarf? No, <laughs> no. Uh, although I wish I had, because I was thinking I'm going to buy a scarf. I'm going to buy a scarf either outside the ground or perhaps even earlier than that today, because I'm excited about this. Oh no, scarf! Yeah, scarves game. are. I love. I love football. What scarves. would What would you think of the uh, date and game specific scarves? I know you don't need that. You just need the memories, Murph. I mean, the one I have is honestly about 25, 30 years old. Who might have been handed down by an uncle or something? Mm. Bought away in Sofia or. Maybe in Brussels, where some place we got robbed in some match in yeah. the eighties, <laughs> and I can't find it, and I didn't have a proper look. I was a bit rushed, so hopefully okay, I have time well, post podcasts and pre match to go and find. God, I hope game. I hope it turns up. On. Yeah, you're about you're about going along to this game. Going along, again, the boys in green. Yeah, and we're not in the we're we're not in the cheap seats either. We're out with the out with the fans, Ken. Get, okay. Taking the pulse of the nation. Oh yeah, well I'm. You I'm, sit in your comfy chair there, and you you know. Send down your diktats from on high. Well, I'm going to the, I'm going to the game to work. You you guys you're you're working at the game, right? Translation: You're going to the game for free. We have to pay for tickets. <laughs> That's fine, though. <laughs> Basically, That's the fine, same yeah. uh, same experience of the match. Well, I'm going to the game uh, in a state of of uh, sobriety. Mm-hmm. Cold uh, criticism, Ken. That's what you're. No, you're you're not, casting a cold eye. The sneer of cold command from no. your position in the press box. No, that's not it at all. No, I mean I uh, I'm just saying that. Uh, I'm going to go along. I'm not. It's not. It's not about cold criticism. It's not about you know, um, you know, lashing the team. You know, mm. that's not what it's all about. Uh, I, what I, uh, I just think it's possible to have a good time without. You know, go on. Well, I mean, <laughs> what's de- what? Well, ring. look, what's your plan? D- lay out to me your actual plan, please, uh, for this do, game. Do podcast. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Uh, Put on a couple of extra layers because it, it's a lovely day out there, but I feel that it could get very cold in the evening. Okay. Then meet Mr. McD here yeah. for two pints, around oh, half two. five. No, that's, that, that's the plan. 
around half five, six o'clock. Right. Then head into the ground, sample the atmosphere from about quarter past seven. I haven't I like heard the drop. I haven't, I haven't heard the Dropkick Murphys in a long time. I haven't heard that song in a long time, so I want to get in there for at least two playings. Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tonight is going to be a good night, uh, Black Eyed Peas, yeah. Yeah, La- yeah that's exactly. We really need to start hearing these, uh, these songs again. I always like to get in quite early for some reason. Um, and then when I get there, I go. What, what, why did I want to get in here early? No, again? don't go early. It's terrible. It's awful. Like I mean, suppose you get to watch the warm up if you're if you're into that. You know, you get to see who's really up for it in the warm up. Yeah. Some some people would. I could look at you sagely after thirty minutes and say, I could tell we were going to lose from the warm up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that Germany are just way better. I than do us. enjoy the warm up. I do enjoy watching the lads. We're, we're, we're way off it. I do enjoy watching lads like Robbie Brady, for example, striking the ball in the warm up. Mm. I, lo- I love the guys who get Andy Reid when he's. I don't know why I'm always picking left footers here. They're more noticeable sometimes. Cultured. Yeah, cultured. Really whack a ball yeah. into the net. That's kind of enjoyable, but uh, there's not really a huge amount to be. Where are you sitting? Are you in? Are you in with all the troublemakers Where behind the, troublemakers? the? Oh, behind the goal there. Oh. I don't want to get frisked. Oh, you will head. be. Oh, if you're in there, you will be frisked. Mm. No, I, I don't fancy that. Uh, Murph's halfway through a, an anti John Delaney banner there, but have you got have one? To... A veg sheet. Well, I'm sewing. Delaney out. I'm cr- Mike. Um, uh, we're crocheting in the house, so hopefully it'll be finished by six o'clock. Our Richie Sadler's going to pop into us for the big match preview. That's Psychologist. the guy. Yep. <laughs> and we've got one of Ireland's heroes from our first ever appearance at a major tournament. Who stopped the ball from going into the Irish net against England? The Irish net against England. Wait a minute. Peter Schill No, Packy Bonner Packy Bonner, Bonner, yeah, Bonner has got his autobiography out I'm going to talk to him about, all, about the old days about the not so old days when he was the FAI's technical director as well for a number of years that should be great uh, he'll be in in a little bit it's time now for the report on sport Well Owen I suppose we should really I mean the main thing in Ireland today is Ireland against Germany but the main thing in, the, in world terms is the complete implosion of FIFA the end of Sepp Blatter, uh, the end of Sepp Blatter really as a, as a FIFA president, he's been provisionally suspended for 90 days. Michel Platini has also been provisionally suspended for 90 days by the FIFA Ethics Committee, banned essentially uh, from all football activity for the next three months and finished mm. in, 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 in terms of, you know, this is a guy who has been president of UEFA. He wanted to be FIFA president. He was a good friend of John Delaney, and he's done. Like, Mitchell Platini is never going to be FIFA president now. It's not something he can write out? I don't believe so. I don't believe that, I don't believe that it is. Um, the Ethics Committee have suspended him, uh, and this... Okay, I mean, Platini put out a statement uh, saying... And this is before it, it's actually... This, is, this has happened now, right? So this, this was leaked. This was kind of put out last night that it was it was being reported and you see the French press the keep France football had these uh, stories oh Platini looks like he's going to be you know he's in trouble so they had obviously been hearing this he he released a statement saying it was reported last night the investigatory chamber of the FIFA ethics committee intends to recommend to its adjudicatory chamber that I be given a 90 day suspension this is clearly an extremely serious matter all the more so given that this information appears to have come from official FIFA source despite the fact that the ethics committee which is supposed to act with full independence, has not yet issued its decision. This deliberate leak, which is insidious in nature and has come about in an unacceptable manner, is essentially an attempt to damage my reputation. So he's criticising the leak, right? But the leak was true. Right, yeah. And this has happened now. This has happened. Um, he says, uh, I'm, I've always acted and expressed myself with honesty, courage and candour 
as I feel this is my moral duty if what is being reported regarding the intentions of the investigatory chamber of the FIFA Ethics Committee is indeed true, I will stop at nothing to ensure that the truth is known. Nobody should be in any doubt as to my determination to achieve that. Um, in the meantime, a dispassionate, independent and impartial judicial body needs to shine a light on the events that led the FIFA Ethics Committee to open these investigatory proceedings. So his last little statement there is, who's driving this? Yeah. Who's driving this campaign against me? You get the sense of these guys... A lot of the top football administrators, I'm going to say a lot of people involved at a high level in FIFA, Ken, mm-hmm. uh, probably have certain things to hide. They probably, you know, they maybe have uh, done a few things to get to that level of, of uh, sports administration that maybe wouldn't be 100% ethical. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be an, an assumption, there were, was an assumption for a, man, a long number of years that these things are not going to get out. I mean, it's in everybody's interest. It was for a number of years in everyone's interest at FIFA to not to leave Jack Warner do whatever he needs to do, to let Chuck Blazer do it. You know, everyone kind of works together. Yeah. And that seems to have been fractured, especially in the last six months or so. Mm. The, and when people get caught doing something, the, their reaction seems to be, who ratted me out here? I mean, this yeah. is ridiculous. As opposed to what... what the reaction I, is know. always hilarious. It's yeah. not, uh, I entirely refute these allegations. It's, well... I've done something, but let's just say the people who were going after me would <laughs> exactly. want to have, yeah, yeah. you know, they're they're yeah. Uh, that's a big Jack Warner one. Like Jack yeah. Warner's always, I'm going to spill the beans. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. I mean, once, um, once uh, Bladder was gone, suddenly, or Bladder, you know, had to step down or announce that he was going to step down. So he's kind of a, he's a just uh, filling out the last few months of his time as FIFA president, but Blatter didn't like this, you know, having to resign just after being elected. And, uh, you know, I think Blatter is quite happy to see some of the, some of the, I mean, remember Platini, Platini before that FIFA election was saying, I said to him, you've got to go, Sepp, you know, don't you realise it's over? I mean, imagine Blatter looking back at Platini going, oh yeah, you're telling me that I've got to, you are telling me (laughs) that I have to go. Well, I know a thing or two about you as well. And this is the, I mean, it's just the way that politics works. You know, I mean, someone in Blatter's position gets to find out a lot of information about a lot of people and uses that information to control them. And um, of course, yeah. Um, so oh, we've all watched, uh, we've all watched the TV programs again. Yeah, uh, FIFA's ethics committee uh, was looking into the circumstances of a two million Swiss franc payment from Sepp Blatter. House of Cards. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I was looking at all like reaching really, for a house of cards there. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how much he was struggling with I was that. About well, he, I didn't even realise he was trying to... We've all seen... And then I paused the, the TV te- shows. The TV shows. When talking about how power works at that level. I was about to say the West Wing, and then I was around, that wasn't about corruption. I don't know if House of Cards is necessarily it shows you the most accurate representation what? of... Uh, I think there may, there may be a Ken, slightly Kevin sexed Spacey, up element to House of Cards. Kevin Spacey speaks directly to me, Ken. He breaks down that wall. He does, yeah. He speaks um, directly in my face. Kind of it was so memorable, you couldn't remember the name of the show for about <laughs> That's neither here nor there, old. Um, why would why would Blatter be paying Platini two million Swiss francs? This this in 2011. This was the uh, this was the the uh, question that the FIFA Ethics Committee were asking. Um, Platini said it was all to do with work that he'd done for FIFA like nine years earlier. Nine years seems like a long lag between doing the work and getting the money for it. You know what I mean? Why would you'd, that? You'd have sent a few emails there. If the, even if that was true, I mean, Platini's saying it's true. Even if it was true, why would you wait nine years for your two million Swiss francs? You know what I mean? Well, it's awkward. You know, sometimes it's awkward asking people for money. Is it? You know, sorry, when don't you want to be a pain. Don't work but... for them. <clears throat> well, I mean, 
mean, just going to pop you that invoice there. But Platini is, you know, this is the football family. It's hard sometimes to ask other members of your family for, you know, debts owed, whether that be two million euro or lesser sums in the case of the Murphy family. <laughs> uh, it's sometimes it's awkward. It's 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 amazing. It's just amazing. so so. Anyway, uh, there's there's Patini out for now. I mean, the point is that you know he could he he could conceivably try and become FIFA president. Still, I mean, the election's going to be in February, but like he can't he can't do anything in football. He can't have any rela- football related activity uh, until you know for for the next three months. So kind of. That means he can do he can't do anything except train with Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, he can't. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he it's got to be difficult for him to campaign uh, and and to be the FIFA. And, and in fairness, it's, it 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 looks as though his reputation has been completely destroyed by this. You know, his reputation for probity, his for integrity, is in is in tatters now. Um, Bladder band. Jerome Valk, we haven't even mentioned him. He's also banned for 90 days. He's already, remember though, been put on leave by FIFA. Yeah, Valk's had it. Valk's a, a durable man. Valk um, finds a way to get back. Valk is done. He's Valk dead. is not coming back. Right. He was never he was never a popular man. And now that his now that he's been, you know, put on leave by FIFA and then banned by their ethics committee, <laughs> I find it difficult to imagine how he could come back. Um and also Chung Mong Jun. Uh, who was running for the FIFA presidency, the South Korean uh, billionaire who was running for the FIFA presidency, has been banned for six years from football for, bizarrely, um, irregularities relating to the 2018 and 2022 World Cup bidding process. I, I don't know how he's the only guy who's got a six-year ban out of that. I suppose it was also um, Bin Hamam back in the day. Oh, yeah. um, not that he had anything to do with Qatar getting the World Cup. But, like, you know, it's it's kind of... It's almost like a uh, total wipeout of the of the top echelon of FIFA. And I mean, this is kind of, it's not as though this is a new story, really. This has kind of been going on all, all for the last six months, at least. Mm. But like... It's like the last scene of The Godfather, effectively. It really is. But like, who's, who's unfortunately, no one, no one is uh, presuming that the Corleone family are going to go back into the olive oil business as a result of this. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we've cleared out the, cleared out the, the trash. And now we're going to just focus on that olive oil company that we've been running. I don't know who it's going to be now. Like, who's going to come in? You know, there's, they, they've got... Um, I see that the South African politician who has the um, the memorable name, uh, Tokyo... Sishwale? That's, that's exactly how you pronounce you the name. You may re- know him better as Tokyo Sex Whale. Yeah, everybody says, oh, Tokyo Sex Whale. That's an actual name of a guy in South Africa. But that's not his name. His name is Tokyo Sichwale. He might run for FIFA president. He's, he says he's thinking about it. He said, but what is thinking? I am having conversations. I'm consulting with people. I'm trying to see if I... I mean, you know, the problem is uh, with F- FIFA is kind of a little bit limited because you have to have been a football administrator. You have to have a couple of years of football administration under your belt, you know, before you can run. It's not just open to anyone who, want, who you know, some kind of Ross Perot... Or Donald Trump, maverick candidate. You know, you have to you have to be a football man or a football administrating man. Delaney. All I'm saying. I like the way you don't have to have any of that experience to tr- to try to be run your country. You know, to try to run the United States of America. Nah, anyone can have a go at this, but yeah. to be FIFA, to be involved in a s- politicking of a. Welcome. You're in the you're in the NFL now, right, <laughs> Donald Trump? 
You can't um, go just go running for the FIFA president. Jurgen Klopp going to take over pretty soon. Yeah, uh, probably today. Apparently, happy with that as a fan of the Premier League. I think he's a oh, yeah. good guy to have in there. I enjoy that video of him on a swing in super slow motion. Oh, I don't think that's really him, though. What? I don't think. Is that his whole joke? I, I only think, watched it I very briefly. Did you see this I, video, Murph? Oh, of course, son. He nails that. I, I don't think it is him. Is it him? I don't think so. I mean, there's a guy who oh, says. I've hoodwinked here. There's a guy. So it's, it's who just says a something in an American accent at the end. So I don't know if I think it just looks a bit like Klopp. I'm not ah, sure. Maybe it is Klopp. Rune, that's my favorite vine of the week. Well, maybe we'll, we'll let's just pretend it is him. Great. And done. Because it could be him, couldn't it? It looks like and him. Certainly, and that's you know, the point. It's the fact that I thought the, it could it's be It's a greater him. truth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's got his. That Jurgen Klopp the has the potential and the personality and the carry off of dexterity to carry off uh, slam dunk of that nature. And then go walk around on his, on his hands and, yeah. and then do a kind of a robot dance. Yeah, it's pretty not him now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> No. The American accent at the end, also as you mentioned. Yeah, I think he, I think he is a great appointment by Liverpool. It's, a, it's the best appointment they could make. Unbelievable really. coup for Liverpool. It's, it's incredible. Um, I suppose maybe it explain. I mean, we were talking about why they would leave Brendan Rodgers in situ, but I suppose Jurgen Klopp, maybe they had just contacted him well, at an amazing, earlier though. point. Yeah, I think even Liverpool, Liverpool fans accept now that they're not really in the market for the best players in the world. Clearly, they're not. You can see by the guys that they're having to sign, and yet they get. Possibly the most, well, I would have thought a guy who should be one of the most sought after managers in the world. They're, they're punching above their weight, I think, of the manager they've got. Where, if you consider the level of players yeah, that they're now buying, I think that. they've done unbelievably well to get Klopp. And it could be, could just be enough to, you know, it could be enough to, to at least uh, stop the, the downward spiral that they appear to be in at the moment. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, get them on an even keel and get them back up to roughly where they where they think they should be. It's yeah. I mean, we were we were talking about it the other day, uh, and I think the big thing that it does is it 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 makes it easier for them to attract a higher caliber of player. Uh, and you know, in terms of what Klopp will actually do, coaching wise, you know, maybe he will. I mean, I'm not sure. It's it's we we it, it, what he was doing was really cutting edge in 2009, 2010. Football moves forward really fast. You know, does he have any new ideas? Because um, I'm not sure that what he was doing with Dortmund, but even if he could do it with this Liverpool squad, which isn't clear yet, mm. um, would necessarily work now. Um, so hopefully he's evolved a little bit. This, the sad news at Liverpool is that Gary McAllister and Sean O'Driscoll, so recently arrived, are now out the door. As Jurgen Klopp is not going to be keeping them on. Uh, he's bringing in his uh, his uh, former Dortmund assistant, Zelko Buvac, and Peter Kravietz is his like analyst. Uh, which means he has no role for Gary McCaster or Sean O'Driscoll. At least he was quick about it. There was none of this. We'll, I'll just see what the staff, what staff I have there, and give them a chance. Like, no, no, these are my guys. Uh, I saw that um, <laughs> uh, Robbie Fowler was making a play to get a sort of Ryan Giggs role. Really? Yeah, because he knows the club and knows the city and all that kind of stuff. And he was kind of suggesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if if your club necessarily needs a link to the club's past. I think maybe with the exact opposite. Exactly. <laughs> sever that link, and you know, it's a, it, it makes for some nice photographs and some lovely wall hangings, and obviously there's a trophy cabinet. But beyond that, yeah, you know, I don't really think any any of the last twenty years at Liverpool necessarily really need to be need to live on. Let's say, maybe let's try something different. Let's give something different a go and see if it works. Ireland, Paul and Ken, excite me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Ireland, Poland. Yeah. Well, Ireland, Poland. Give me something to hang my hat on. It's on Sunday. 
Oh, Ireland, Germany. My apologies. Um, <coughs> Sorry, I have news from the Stormont Assembly that I think is relevant. Oh, oh God. Uh, football latest reports uh, Mark Simpson on Twitter from the BBC. The DUP motion wishing Northern Ireland well has been passed. Oh, yeah. Sinn Féin motion wishing the Republic well passed after Unionists add Scotland to the motion. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best tweet I've seen in literally After un- Unionists add, add Scotland, Scotland, to, the Scotland to the motion. <laughs> so wishing They're Ireland, very much anti-Poland. So, in, so they're, uh, they're wishing there. Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland and Scotland well. Yeah. But That's Scot- been passed. Scotland and Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, can't possibly both survive. No. So... Uh, well, if we win both our games... And they win and both Scotland theirs. Win, then Poland are at. Yeah, that's right, actually. Oh, yeah. So we could survive. So It'll be a great Poles, day in, in mm, open storm out there. I hope that uh, yeah. the people in the, 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 good, the, the, the good burgers in Warsaw, <laughs> the power brokers, don't see this tweet. <laughs> All out war could be, could be waged. Yeah. Um, I, I think Ireland-Germany um, is going to be a defeat for Ireland, uh, Owen. That's unfortunately what I have to say. But Robert Lewandowski, as long as Robert Lewandowski keeps scoring goals, even if that's next Sunday, as long as he keeps scoring goals tonight, I think we're going to be all right. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be all right. I mean, Yogi Love, the German coach, the usual type of um, usual type of stuff. Ireland, they will fight. Their crowd was wonderful. They've got such folksy passion. You know, big lads, of course. Celtic. Big physical team. Celtic. <laughs> Tiny little dwarves. Big, uh, big Jamie Coleman there. Celtic twilight. You know, oh, very yeah. much Celtic twilight. The mists uh, creeping, the tendrils of mist creeping in. That midget stand at the Aviva. You know, it's all very romantic for a German. But uh, you know, I don't think they're going to have too much problem. I mean, Love did say, "Look, you got to draw against us. Fair play to you, but you got to remember that after the World Cup, we just won the World Cup." We were a little bit, yeah, you know, we were the world champions. A few players were injured. Players weren't really focused. It's not like that anymore. Mm. It's not like that anymore. It's we're a different team sorry. now, so we're looking forward to the game. That's it for Ken Early's report on sport. Stop it! That's one of those things. Stop it! How many players can do this? Duffman can never die. He's 34 years old. It's one of those things. Duffman can never die. Only the actors who play him. No, he did. No, he did. Do you think Robbie Keane just said, you know what? Any questions about me being the MVP of this league? I think he just said right there. Oh, yeah. He's got more of a tan than me, Richie, how are you? Oh, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good, yeah, I'm excited. Are you, uh, uh, is this the kind of game that gets you going? We remember speaking to you ahead of the Gibraltar game <laughs> when you weren't too fussed about what was going to happen in that one. Oh, I was, I was. Don't oh, of course, misrepresent yeah, what I, I said. Yeah, I shouldn't misrepresent what you said, yeah. It was but you, raring to go for that you, one. you weren't going to paint it to, in, to be anything that it wasn't going to be. What about Germany tonight? Are you excited by this as an Irish football fan? I'm excited by the game and, and, and by being there, it'll be a huge crowd we're against a class team. There's a huge amount at stake. So a lot of the boxes are ticked for a, for a fixture or an occasion that would, would get you going. Atmosphere as well. I mean, we you don't would hope there's an atmosphere. You're not too, you don't sound too convinced. Well, if we start poorly and go two... Ne- right, this is a negative spin. If we start poorly and, and concede a goal or two early on and don't look like we're going to come back into it, well, the numbers in the crowd won't matter. They, they, they won't be making much noise because they won't have much to, to, to cheer about. But... Um, I, I I think it could be an odd night. I think 
obviously we'll know by 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 Sunday now what what our fate is, and and we could well know tonight. I I I think the way tonight is going to go, I think we'll be beaten. I I really can't see us beating Germany. That's the spirit. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And like I heard, I read Roy Keane's comments, and and I, did someone say to him, you know, we could get four points, and he turned around and said, well, why not go for six points? Yeah. Why why aren't we going for six points? Let's aim for that. So you might respond to a comment like that where, well, what are you basing that on? Do you think we're good enough to beat Germany at home and Poland away? And if we are, well, what have you been doing with the players up to now that has them playing the way they have been playing if you think the ability is there to get six points in these two games? I would love to see that conversation. Because, because if, he's tur- if, if he's turning around and saying, well, why not get two wins? Like, as almost throwing it back at us to say, well, listen, it's an attitude failing on our part not to be confident we go okay right well well, from the outside we've been looking at you give us the grounds for that optimism give us the grounds for confidence what, have you, what have you been holding back from us yeah. up until now that gives you the, the, the thing or the, the, the wherewithal come out and say you know two wins are achievable that, that was um, Gordon Darcy's point in his Irish Times when he was talking about why Ireland was so terrible against Italy well, not terrible. I mean, they did win, but, you know, they weren't very good or weren't very impressive. And he said that uh, he thinks they're probably hiding, keeping some of their best cards. You know, they've actually just been hiding their best stuff and they're about to spring it on an unsuspecting Germany. <laughs> this, is what, this is what Ireland are about to do as well. Yeah, Germany have, have spent the last, you know, you know, maybe about half an hour over the last three days carefully researching Ireland. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> We're going to use that against them in a kind of a judo flip. They're going to they're going to come out expecting to line up against one kind of team, but we're going to hit them with something very different. You, I, I okay. I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> I'd love. I mean, that's the only reason where, like, it, for for us to get a result tonight, certainly in both games, we, we've got to see something from the Irish team. Well, hang on, I'll I'll. I'll I'll start that also by saying we may lose the two games, lose comfortably, play awfully and still be in a playoff mm. by virtue of Poland beating Scotland tonight. So I'm not saying I'm not optimistic. I'm not saying that our, I'm absolutely sure our campaign will finish this weekend. But I think the cause for optimism as I'm looking in at it is the form of someone like Lewandowski. The, the, the psychological frailties of Scotland or the pressure they're under from the Scottish public who are probably looking at this Scotland team saying, here we go again, Scotland are doing what they've always done. They're going to let us down. Ultimately, they've given us a few bright moments in the campaign, but ultimately they'll fall short. That's what I think is going to happen. I think tonight we could have this odd scenario where even though we didn't get the three points tonight, the crowd could be singing and cheering because we've gotten to the playoff by virtue of a result that happens in a different country. Well, you mentioned Lewandowski there. It seems like Scotland, certainly their media, are putting their own team under pressure ahead of this one, Ken. It's a slightly, I would say, ill-judged campaign against the hottest striker in European football? Yeah, it was the um, the Daily Record, which, you know, <laughs> does like to... Uh, Stir the pot? Yeah. Big baby Robert Lewandowski. And this is this is underneath the big picture of Lewandowski wearing like an old school bonnet and kind of with a, his face screwed up in a moaning expression. Has gone running to his mammy for the second day in a row about what might happen to him in the big boys' playground at Hamden. Uh, the <laughs> Poland prima donna is now gurning. He can't forget Gordon Gray's crunching challenge on him last year. Uh, this is fresh from snivelling about fears over Scotland kicking him off the park. He just can't get over that tackle. Um, 
this tackle, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's Lewandowski going for a, there's a, there's a ball bouncing in front of him and he goes to try and volley it. And, <laughs> and uh, this Scottish player, Gordon Greer, comes in, basically just studs up and gets him right below the knee. I'm watching here, it looks nasty. Yeah, horrific. And uh, Lewandowski basically couldn't, couldn't run after that. And uh, that reduced his effectiveness considerably for the rest of the game. But I don't know, Lewandowski's averaging a hat trick a game at the moment. <laughs> So I kind of I'm wondering if uh, if they might end up uh, regretting. Well, that's not that the daily record will will carry either way, really. But it's it just seems like the kind of thing that might might annoy him. He would have seen that picture of him mocked up as a baby, you know. Probably wouldn't even read the words actually. No, you yeah, just somebody just showed up the baby. With, 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 yeah, I wouldn't poke away at him in no. the form he's in. I think well, if Poland and Lewandowski has come out and publicly commented on the treatment he was given by Scotland in the previous fixture. Then it's obviously a little subtle attempt, or maybe not so subtle attempt, to try and get the officials to keep an eye out for it, or to make Scotland a little bit wary, saying, lads, we can't be a little bit blatant. Because you would assume that's going to be Scotland's main mm. approach to the thing, to try and unsettle them, try and... I mean, if they go toe-to-toe with them, <laughs> if they go man-to-man, they're going to lose. So they've got to do something else. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't... I don't think there's a hell of a lot to be gained by mocking the fella. It'd be so weird, wouldn't it, if we were to <laughs> like draw and lose to all the teams, all you know, Poland, Scotland, and Germany, which we could, which that's what will happen if we lose the two remaining games, and still end up in a playoff. We could get to the playoff by virtue of beating Georgia and Gibraltar, the you, only two teams we've beaten in the whole campaign. What happens if you keep drawing with? Two, there's a penalty shootout, presumably, at the end of in the playoff. Oh, yeah. If we draw two games and then draw again after extra time, so we could go through the entire campaign without winning, without without winning, winning a meaningful game. Well, or you, qualify for the tournament. That would be, you have to win a game to get out of the group, really. Unless all the matches are draws and you somehow are involved in the highest scoring draws, you're going to have to win a game at some point just to get out of a group. But that might, but you could win the whole championship without winning another. Game. Oh, the whole championship. Yeah. Well, oh. I remember Jack Charlton saying that in 1990. Yeah. He win the whole thing without winning a game. <laughs> As it turned out, no. You do need to be able to score goals. But you said the stadium would be, you know, singing and, and excited. Do you think it, we will be? I mean, if if they lose to Germany and are still in the playoff, will that be like a cause for celebration? I think the performance will be quickly forgotten or the result will be quickly forgotten if the outcome of tonight obviously if to include the result in Scotland, is that we're in a playoff. Because that means right, the show is still on the road, we're in the draw for the, the playoffs, and the dream is still alive. You can obviously quickly dampen all the, 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 the spirits by, by having the conversation we are having at the moment when you reflect back on the performances and the results of the campaign and you try and pick a performance where you go. That's the inspiring one. That's the one that we're, we're pinning our hopes on here. If we produce that again, we're going to do all right. Or if you, you think of the, the handful of players who've done really well, there isn't a handful of players that have done really well. We, we, we've we often commented on trying to work out what O'Neill's team's going to be, why he changes his mind, why he, why he flips about. Um, flips, and his, also flips about, sorry to cut across he also f- seems to flip about quite late in the day, mm. in, in weeks. I don't know if, he, if he's going by training, if, if, thing, if certain things happen, but it does seem pretty well established at this stage that a lot of players don't necessarily find out that they're suddenly in the team until maybe an hour or two before kickoff, which is, he's not the first manager to mm. try that. Uh, I would have thought it goes against most sort of sports psychology coaching manuals when you want people to really know what they're all, uh, what, what they're all about and what their role is going to be a few days in advance. What do you think? Well, the, the, the one response to that to, to the players could be, lads, get over it. 
He's a manager. That's how he does it. And you're and you're in, by the way. Deal with if it. you're if you're in the team, then maybe just, you should just be deal with it. But it, I I think this is one of these things where um, people wait for the result of the game and then pass comment on the strategy. Yeah. Because if we were to win all the time, or we were to be successful and the team would play well, then you could you could very easily point to that strategy of calling the team late and say, well, everyone like there was. No, fair enough. You're never going to get a scenario where up to 20 or 22 players are, are wondering whether they're going to play. The, the list is probably never going to go beyond 13 or 14 who, who realistically think they're going to be in the starting 11. But those two or three that don't make the starting 11 could be the ones who come on. And you could turn around and say, yeah, but it was because everyone was focused. Everyone went to, night, went to bed the night before thinking they could be playing. So everyone's preparation was spot on. And right up until 45 minutes beforehand, everyone thought they were going to start. So the subs when they were called on benefited from this brilliant preparation beforehand they left nothing to chance because they thought they'd start that makes absolute sense Yeah. now when you've watched the team play as it's played over the last while you're sitting there going come on Jesus just change the strategy in some way <laughs> do something different we're not getting much to cheer about so, so maybe look into to, to telling the lads a little bit sooner that they're playing but my, my, my main point in all that would be as long as the lads know when they're picked what their jobs are Yeah. I, 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 I think there should be versatile enough or robust enough I don't know what the word is to be able to deal with going out and just doing the thing that they train every day to do Yeah. so it, it, it's when the, when the team is picked beforehand and the lads are unsure because he spent no time in the week really drilling home lads if we play 4-4-2 4-5-1 and you're in the number 10 or the number 8 or the, this is what we want from you so that's a little tougher to do if you're speaking to three or four possible players rather than the one you're actually going to pick but if, but if he achieves that and he gets to the dressing room an hour beforehand and no matter what team he picks, every player will know exactly what the role is within that lineup. Mm. then jackpot, fine. You wouldn't really query it, but I, I'd question whether he's able to do that. What about if your wife just had a baby <laughs> and is 6,000 miles away and you haven't really had a chance to spend any time with them because you're over here for the Ireland game and you're still waiting to see if you're going to play and then the team is read out and you're not playing? Do you think there's any chance you might take a swing at Martin O'Neill in that circumstance? I, I, I'm not a parent, right? So, so yeah. I don't know <laughs> what all that involves. Like, has Robbie met the child? Did he leave before the child was born? Well, I, I think they, they said it was October 5th. I think it's when they put up the thing on Facebook, wasn't it? Saturday? I know he left on Monday. He left America on Monday. So had the child been... Is it a boy or girl? Uh, a boy, I think. So was he... I think it's, a, I think it's another, another boy, isn't it? So was he yeah. born? I'll, I'll check that out. You guys chat away. Robbie the second. Yeah. <laughs> There's the, the first one is obviously Robert. That's going to be hard. For, first, both scenarios. It, if, if the kid is alive, like what, three, four days now, and he's yeah. never met him, that's, that's going to, I'd find that tough. really hard. Or yeah. the flip side, if, if he got to spend an hour or two. Ah, that's exactly what he got to spend, Richie. Robbie Keane, I only had two hours with the new baby before leaving Dublin. Oh, before geez. leaving for Dublin. Le- leaving for Dublin. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Like, that's that's got to be hard. Way. No. And it's and it's the kind of thing that might you can imagine it causing even a bit of tension as well Second at home. Son. You know, uh, his wife might be like, "Oh, really? Do you really have to go to this one?" Yeah, I really do. But you mightn't even be playing. No, I'll definitely be playing. <laughs> they need me. It's the game of history. You would be pretty annoyed, as you can imagine. Not it's to obviously play in this game. It's obviously been fairly hectic. I played on Sunday, then left early Monday morning, and obviously my wife had a baby at seven o'clock on Monday evening. Uh, I left the hospital at nine o'clock. So yeah. Two hours in the hospital. So you can imagine how that went down, says Robbie. Not very well. Not very well at all. You know, so here he is. He's come over. It's the ultimate sacrifice. 
and every chance he's not going to be starting this game. <laughs> I think it'd be madness if he started this game. Particularly, like, there's, there's no way we're going to play two up front against Germany, surely. And if you're playing one up front, it can't be right. Surely we're not back at a scenario where people w- would consider Robbie as an option as a lone striker. So I think he's, like you said, made the ultimate sacrifice to come all this way. Mm. And, and his kid's over there. What did you make of the Roy Keane? Yeah, that might have helped Robbie, Robbie actually to, to, that he's it is so appreciated. His sacrifice, <laughs> his sacrifice has been noted. Well, it was one the of those ones where Roy Keane's in his one of his funny, funnier moods uh, and says, and it's put to him. In case people haven't been following this, it's put to oh, him. Every, I think everyone okay, in the world, everyone, has no heard one this, can know. Everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, but was yeah. he? He was belittling it a little bit, was he? I mean, he was. He was obviously just joking. Making a joke. But, but would, would that be the kind of joke Robbie Keane would find funny this week? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you could very easy laugh it off, couldn't you? Because cause you have, well, you have no choice. Which, which Robbie did. Robbie came yeah. back at him with some uh, hilarious. I think they call it banter, suggesting uh, in, that in he had big room. tits. Yeah, which I mean, was, he, that, he doesn't. That was, that was the line from Robbie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was... he laughed it off. Uh, but you're coming back. Does this happen in other countries? Sorry, do you imagine? A, a, the a assistant captain manager. is coming out commenting <laughs> on the tits of <laughs> the assistant of his manager. assistant manager. I don't think Maybe so. Maybe Scotland. I don't know. On the back of a gag about men breastfeeding, like this would would <laughs> Maybe England in the in the Gaza days. I can imagine this kind of gag. Oh yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. But he was a maybe a unique case, so I can uh, imagine the, ger- the benchmark yourself against <laughs> yeah. the German press just looking at the Irish newspapers going, "What is? What are they talking? What's happening? What are they talking?" It is about? a little bit bizarre. Right? But you, you come back. You, this is something that comes up in football again and again. That these guys have actual lives and they do everything else that most people do, a lot of people do in their lives, then they're in a situation where their professional obligations mean they have to miss certain things, which is fine. Robbie's coming over. He's not moaning about it. But might there be a bit of him thinking, Jesus, Roy, like I, I'm, I don't want any garlands thrown at me here, but I could do without the, the hilarious digs. Yeah, you see, they could have had those conversations in private. Roy, Roy could have... Now, I'm not saying this is what happened. It, it could have happened that as soon as they met, Roy went, Jesus, Robbie... You're some man for coming over. Mm. Like, I've kids myself. It would be a wrench to leave the week that one of them was born. You're the man. And then when he got in front of the media, he just thought, I'm bored here. This, this <laughs> yeah. is three days before a game. I'm going to act the maggot here and have a bit of crack. And yeah. maybe that's all he did. But So there's no no big deal here. Yeah, yeah. Trying to whip something up daily record style here, Richie. But you're <laughs> <running under. laughs> well, I suppose you want to be a bit of a sensitive soul if you were going to get riled by a, a quip like that from, from Roy to... To the press. Speaking of being bored with the press, Matty Clerken has a line at the top of his report from the German press conference. With the half-distracted air of a man talking on the phone while feeding a child, the Germans fulfil their pre-match duties in Ballsbridge. Is this maybe the only chink of light we have? Well, a couple of chinks of light. I'm going to put the optimistic point of view to both of you here. Germany don't know anything about Ireland. Well, they certainly don't. Well, they, do. they must. They do. They, they, yeah. Of course, they do. The they German match preparation before <laughs> at point number one. I had three or four points ready to go. Here. Do you want to know? Do you want to know about their match preparation? Don't. This well, is an area of expertise of mine. Oh, you went over to the University oh, of Cologne. Talked to some boffins over there. You're bloody right. I did. Don't. Mm-hmm. You're bloody right. Uh, so what they do is they they. Um, each player will have stuff prepared for him specifically uh, by their little video team. And uh, they go along, they have like a little area in their team HQ or whatever, where the players have to go along at some point. And just, well, they don't have to, but obviously everybody does, because if you don't do it, then... Then you're the one that doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, so they go along and they'll have a few 
they'll have just a few little clips of like who they're going to be up against, uh, kind of more specifically tailored to that player. So, for instance, whoever's playing against Robbie Brady will be shown a few videos of Robbie Brady making mistakes. Mm. You know, Robbie Brady giving the ball away against was it Poland. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy isn't so good on this side. You know, maybe if you're going to try, he's not really a left back. You know, they'll have, they'll have isolated a few weaknesses of Robbie Brady. They'll have looked through everything Robbie Brady's ever done, and they will bring up three or four things for the player to see. They're not, it's not like they're going to be showing Robbie Brady scoring, scorching free kicks, you know, uh, whipping in uh, deadly crosses from the left flank. They don't, you know, they'll just show him looking like a turkey. And uh, the player will see that and go, oh, okay, okay. And um, and that's what they do. So every each German player will have a fair idea of who they're going to be. Well, up this against. is where Martin O'Neill's unpredictability might come in. Then because they'll probably mm. be looking at Robbie Keane. They mightn't have been aware of the fact that Robbie's getting slowly mm. edged out, or they might be looking at shh, I don't know Johnny Walters or whoever it might be. And then no, they will. Know, they will know all that stuff about Robbie Keane. Yeah. They, there's no. There's no will. way a team like them would would would, would come over. And not be fully briefed on yeah. everything. They never, they never seem to say anything in the press conference. Yeah, they never even seem to know not, any of the names of any of the players. But it's not Joachim Love. It's not Joachim Love who knows. He doesn't that. have to do any of his homework. No, he doesn't have to do the homework. They've got guys doing the homework for him. So it's like he doesn't even he doesn't need to know so that. So the stuff. players know more about about the individual Ireland players than the manager. Well, he's does. he's got an idea, but he, he's in job. His job is to be in charge of the German team and get the team performing. You know, he's kind of in charge of all that. In terms of little details like that, there's too many of them. There's too many of them for him to be fully on top of. So, but the players will be. The players will be because they've got this whole video team that's going to be looking into all that stuff and whose job it is to just provide the right amount of useful information. That's not just for major championship games. That's for every match. This is a major championship game. I mean, finals tournaments games. No, no this, is, this, is, this is a proper match. Like, I mean, the DF, DFB are going to prepare for a qualifier properly. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe the players aren't really that bothered about it. You know, we're in the middle of a season. They're, Bayern Munich have an amazing season at the moment. You know, maybe a lot of the players are only around for one training session. You know, yeah. a lot of them are playing at the weekend, so I don't see how they're getting all the their, this work done, the training, the videos, everything. Else. Surely it's it's, it, quite, you, it's quite condensed. No, that they, oh, it's really condensed. You're not talking about like they don't have to spend long doing. But this. I mean, their uh, preparation for this match has been condensed, and nobody, even at the press conference, everyone was just talking about the Bayern game at the weekend and various issues well, that's around that, things that Matt Hummel said. The first question of, I think was about Klopp, yeah. or the first. Non-German question was, oh, do you think Jurgen Klopp is going to be good? But Maliki makes a point that they only, they've only had one training session with the entire squad, which is like, which would be a big detriment to a lot of teams. And yeah. Yogi Love <laughs> didn't even seem to register that this might be an issue <laughs> no, in, in any way. Okay, but well, it's, the, what, it's yeah. what you do with that time. If their preparation is what Ken says it is, then you can get a hell of a lot work work done. If all your backroom well. team has done all the homework, then you don't need a huge amount of time with the players. They immediately switch on and they're... they're they're, they're given their jobs and they prepare. If you, you could have a week with lads and they could coast through training, you showed no videos, no one knows who the team lineup is, you're not given any preparation on the opposition because you go with this, you know, let's play our best and we'll win yeah. kind of bullshit and, and you're screwed. Uh, okay, my last reason to be optimistic then. Let's I've, take this down as well. I've looked at the goals against, Colum, lads, uh, Germany, mm. goals against seven, yeah. leaky defence there. Ireland, goals against five. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good defensive record. For Ireland compared to Germany, yes. conceded less goals than them. It's not bad, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah come on, give me some, and, give me some feedback. Well, we haven't. <laughs> give me some love here for my theories. We've only played, uh, Pol- We haven't, we haven't played Poland twice yet, have we? we no, played no. Twice. I don't know. I, I, arguably, our 
two toughest games yeah. on paper are the last two. Well, I suppose you could put Germany, Germany away. It's tougher than Germany, Germany home. Germany but. conceded two goals to Scotland, who are no world beaters. You know, they're not. They're absolutely great team, but they're not one of these. They're not an absolute machine. You know, we were, we were beaten by Scotland. They're a team that yeah. scores a lot of I know, goals. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that's the thing about Germany. This German team is a, is a goal scoring team. The defense isn't great. I mean, in Germany, the defense is almost out of fashion now. In their league football, it's kind of, it's something everyone's forgotten. The goalkeepers all play in midfield now. You know, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but they score a lot, and that's probably what they're going to do to us, I imagine, tonight. All right, yeah. I'm getting nothing. Uh, <laughs> team selection, just uh, to the last area here, which you said not a chance of Robbie Keane starting this one. Who if, would you have if up we there? play if we play one up front, which which I don't think there's any other practical option against Germany, and it's Robbie Keane. We're screwed. Right. We are doubly screwed. No, nothing will stick. He won't win any balls in the air unless it's absolutely the ball is to his feet. He won't retain it. He won't be able to out-muscle any of the defenders. He won't be running the channels hanging on to it. It'll be put enormous pressure on everyone in midfield to try and get the ball specifically to him because if it's not to him, it's going to come straight back. So who would you have up there? Because it seems to be the main, given the injuries that we have uh, around the place and suspensions, a lot of guys are out. It looks like David Myler is going to come in to the team. Yeah. Uh, a player, a decent player has been around, around about it for a long time. Might maybe add something there. Uh, but the most of the selection seems to be around the front few positions. So who would you have up there? Probably Shane Long. Yeah. I kind of scribbled a few notes here before we started. Like it, it, Because of the absentees, there, there isn't that much scope mm. for Martin O'Neill, really. So, the, 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 the Long up front on his own, and then maybe Long Walters front. on one side. Walters, and you're looking at Hendrick, Houlihan, McCarthy, Myler will probably make up the six attacking players. Not, bad, not, not a bad side. Quite a lot of athleticism there up front, if that was it. Long, Hendrick, Walters, these kind of guys, no? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is. I mean, would, would, would you do anything, uh, anything different? Is there any scope for. Anything really is it quite because he does seem to pull a few rabbits out of the hat from time to time. Martin O'Neill, could we see? If he brought Daryl Murphy, he started a couple of games out of nowhere, for example. Yeah. But Goldrick could start again. Yeah, he does Goldrick. seem to have this, uh, and he doesn't seem to fully trust Shane Long as a starter either. No, he doesn't really. Does he? I, I, I'd be surprised if, if Long started, but I mean, Walters, I assume, is the only nailed on attacking player to start. Hulahan, okay, I think he's probably going to start. Beyond that, it's 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 hard to know. Prediction, Richie? A Germany win. And, a and whether or not we're celebrating at the end of it. I, I, I think... I, I just think love the scenes that you're painting of wild celebrations after getting, <laughs> getting three or four nil, you know? Which, which, which you know, which, which, which is, is typical of the way the group has gone so far. Mm. The, 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 the greatest moment we've had like the the optimism after getting the away goal in Germany was quickly dampened when we played against Scotland away and were beaten. Um, and then even the last minute goal home against Poland, we wondered, God, is that enough? Did we really have to win it? Mm. So, you know, we'll, we'll take all this into the Scotland home game. We, you know, we really need to win. And we drew that and didn't play particularly well. Our optimism now is ba- and the position we're in is based on the fact that Germany beat Scotland. It's ba- or Georgia beat Scotland. Like Scotland blew it over there. So it, it would be in keeping with how the group has gone, that if we're celebrating tonight, it would be uh, as a result of someone else's failings. Let's do it, Richie. Thank you. Cheers, lads. FIFA made a movie recently. Did uh, they? John Delaney could run anything. They did, they did. About themselves? Yeah, about themselves. God, that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Sam Blatter. Yeah, that is, that's incredible ego, but the real movie's on its way. 
But yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget that. Don't, don't, don't forget that. In 2009, I called him an embarrassment to FIFA and an embarrassment to himself. And I, and I said it to him across the table, I just let him talk to you. We wanted to explain it. He said, no one speaks to me like that. And you said? And I said, well, I do. And that was it. We wanted to explain it. And I just asked her to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here to tell you, just stared at her for seven or eight seconds. And I said, move on now, please. And then he moved. When I went in and told him how I felt about him, yeah. and there were some expletive views, we came to an agreement. It's a very good agreement, if we like. And you've used the figure there. Well done to you. We've maybe focusing too much on the strikers there, Ken. We may need to worry more about the defence. Obviously, a few guys out, notably Seamus Coleman. So our full-backs against the world champions, world champions who are very adept at finding space in and around the sides of the centre-halves, you know, where the full-backs mm. should be sweeping up there, are Cyrus Christie. Cyrus the virus. And Robbie Brady. Robbie Brady's a fantastic footballer. He's not yeah. a left-back. And he's playing there. He's, getting, he's, he's becoming a left-back. Isn't he? I think he got. I mean, Emre Chan's playing fullback for Germany. He's probably he's not he's not a right back. No, but how reliant are they on his performance? How exposed will he get? Not very. Robbie Brady got extremely exposed against Poland, like really bad. I was it was it wasn't just that mistake. He even his set pieces up until we got one near the end weren't great. I just thought it was funny. He actually got quite good write ups. I think because we're always hopeful when it's a young player. And, and also, he, he looks good when he's on the ball. Yeah, and he does look good when he's on. And he's our, uh, by the way, he's our best option there. And he's he's a decent, he's a okay, he's a decent left back um, at best. I mean, I don't think there's natural position. So we've got two guys, and Christy looks like the kind of guy who likes to bomb forward as well. They might have mm. to curtail a little bit of that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And it's not. It's just my point is, it's not a matter of okay, we'll be defensive today. You know, we'll we'll stay in defence. We won't bomb forward too much. It's the positional awareness that takes a long time for most players to pick up around a certain position and uh, I'm not sure Robbie Brady has that yet. No, and and the, the problem with Germany is they really do have that. You know that, that thing of um, a team that international teams don't usually, can't quite uh, get to the level of teamwork of club teams because they didn't really spend long together. The Germany team at the moment has spent a long time together um, and they all know the system and they can they kind of have a lot of automatic movements. You know what I mean? They They know all that kind of stuff. Uh, and very adept at cutting teams up, and that's why they score a lot. Defensively is their problem. They're, they're weak defensively. Yeah. But the problem is, you know, get they're good. The at, they're good at sort of dominating the game and scoring goals. And you know, if you can get at get at them, you will probably score. But the problem is actually doing that. One of our heroes from the glory years of Irish football, from indeed the first ever in major championships we qualified for, Packy Bonner has brought out his autobiography. It's called The Last Line, and I'm delighted to say that Packy has popped into the studio. Packy, how are you? Uh, very good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We've got. Um, well, a lot of the images we have of you as a, as a player for Ireland was of this dominant goalkeeper and we remember so many great moments. But it's interesting to read through this and hear that you weren't necessarily totally confident, not necessarily in yourself, but in, in terms of playing in front of those big arenas and being a football star, which is, which is what you were, it wasn't something that necessarily came naturally to you. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I, I do talk about me being an introvert uh, point. Um, and um, you know when you come from a place like Donegal, um, it's it's you know you're always maybe a wee chip on the shoulder too coming from that type of area. That that uh, am I good enough? Am I good enough to go on and play this level and and take on these? And you're always grappling with that. 
Uh, and I think when you get on the pitch, then it changes a little bit because you're out there. You want to. Do, I'm, I'm very competitive uh, and always have been competitive. But then when you make a mistake or, or something, anything that happens out there, then you you dwell too much on it and you can dissect it and you, you see well what's happening here. You know, and you should just forget about these things and move on. Plant something new in your brain. But that's I've learned that. And and, and as I've got older, I wish I had to know all that when I was actually a player. Was the Donegal thing an issue the, coming from? I mean, I, I, even to this day, I guess there are to relatively recent times there have been criticisms of there uh, being a Dublin bias in Irish football. <laughs> but was that the case, in, or was it, was that a perception you had perception. when you? Were... I, think, I think it's a perception. It probably still is there. That we, you know, that the perception of of uh, you know Dublin's the capital. We're so far away. We're detached from it, and everything goes to Dublin, and and we're cut off in our little corner. In many ways. Uh, now I, I think it's a really good thing that we're cut off. <laughs> it's my little sanctuary. I go back there. I can go walking and I can do all the things. And and, and I need it in my life. I've always needed it in my life. Um, and that and it's nice to have. And now talking to anybody that has has a place down there, that's where they like going. And if you spend a week in Donegal and you get a week of this type of weather, you'll come back for the rest of your life. I'll tell you. That. It's interesting you talk about that kind of need for a bit of space and a mm. bit of alone time. You know, because you grew up in a house which was pretty crowded. Ten people. You, uh, six brothers and sisters, um, your parents and your grandmother. Um, yeah, there were seven of us, seven, seven children. There was ten in total. And it was, but and it was a quite an open house in many ways. But we had, a, it was a big big house. It was built, uh, in the book I talk about it, it was built for bed and breakfast. So there was a lot of people coming and going in my, our, our early days. Um, yeah, but I, I just think, you know... Maybe it's my, you know, I do feel I'm an introvert and, and, and I had to work very hard at being able, if I came into a company and there was a big company, I would have to sort of just really bide my time when to talk. I'm grand when I'm talking to you guys one to one. And as you get older, you, you almost change a little bit too. And you learn how to how to deal with those things. But uh, not easy, not easy. I thought it's, called, it's almost... Uh yeah, almost chaos. People everywhere all the time. You know, you you. That's. I would have thought. I. I, I mean, I had three brothers and sisters, but. But I can uh, tell you're an extrovert. I can tell that. <laughs> no, even, even listening and talking to you. <laughs> uh, that that you know, there's all these people around. You kind of. Uh, you get used to that sort of thing, or, or that that kind of becomes your nature. But you kind of felt, no, no. no I, my, my definition of, of an introvert is that that you can perform, you can you can do what you're talking about, and I can perform in front of sixty thousand people. I can I can go in front, talk in front now five hundred people about leadership and all of these type of things. Uh, but I have to work really hard at it. I have to prepare myself, and uh, but my energy is going down and down and down. While while uh, you know, as an extrovert, you know, they can go and walk down. The beaches of Donegal on their own, but they have to be back in among people. Their energy is going down when they're on their own, and that's the difference, you know. I need to go away, then get a bit of a sanctuary, go to places like Donegal, and build my energy back up and, and find my own space. It's pretty clear how important family is to you, and as I think has always been to you. Um, unfortunately, your dad died when he was far too young. You were 25 uh, playing for Celtic at that stage. Very interestingly, your father in law. Um, was I think made a gesture to you around that time that was pretty that was quite important to you. It was important, you know. I lo- we lost our dad, and our, we were very close to, to my dad, and uh, he died very suddenly with a heart attack, and uh, it was a huge, huge wrench. Um, and uh, my father-in-law was a Rangers supporter um, when he was growing up. He worked actually at Ibrox. He worked on on the gates, uh, which I didn't know um, before I met him, and. Um, 
he, uh, you know, and he was going to watch Sally. When I was going with, with, with Anne, who's my wife now, uh, he was still going to Ibrox and watching me play and sitting up in a stand and feeling under pressure when I was playing and guys around me giving me stick and him almost, almost saying, oh, he's not a, he, I think he's not a bad lad. He couldn't admit that he, <laughs> that he knew me or so on. But then when, when afterwards, when, when I came back after my dad, he came to me and said, listen, uh, I'm going to go up and support you now at Celtic Football Club. Uh, and I always probably look back and say my, my real goal in life was to change all the Rangers supporters over to Celtic supporters, so he was the first one. Uh, you've lived in Glasgow since 1978. Uh, I mean, how, how was that? You're, so what age were you, 18, going 18 over? over yeah. So, I mean, I, first of all, a kind of a big wrench, I guess, at that, at that time to leave your, yeah. leave your home, leave your family. So, I mean, how did you... Adapted. Obviously, you must have adapted pretty well because you've never. Uh... No, I found it very difficult actually. Uh, going over, leaving, leaving, you know, a, a country background, leaving my brother Dennis, who played League of Ireland football, and he was my twin brother and and, and a big family, and we were all very close and friends. So uh, leaving that, going into a city environment, going into a club like Celtic, which was huge club, and you know, you have big clubs. You have to find your own way to to a point. You know, there's not that many people are going to take him put their arm around you and look after you you have to find your own way I was lucky I, I stayed with an aunt and uncle both uh, two aunts and uncles I stayed for one to move back to Larry Kenny and then I went back down to the other aunt and uncle so I stayed there so it was a bit like home from home uh, for me to be honest but I missed it I missed it I make, I make no I talk about it in the book that I cried myself to sleep at night even though I was 18 years old guys not like now when you could pick up a phone mm-hmm. pick up the mobile or Skype somebody that just didn't happen in those days you know um, and when you're in a football club also you just can't uh, get up in the morning and go home uh, you mm. just can't uh, say well I'm, I'm taking a weekend off you're playing football so there was periods in there I wasn't home for about 10 months uh, you know I know nowadays young players going away people will, will give them an opportunity to go home over and back a little bit more and it's easy to get over and back We, we there was no Airport in Carrick Finn at that time. Mm. Uh, now there's a direct flight in in 45 minutes from Glasgow into Carrick Finn. Um, then we had to travel by bus. It took you a full day. So, so those things. So you you felt detached from where it was. So it was not easy. Uh, but I had football, uh, you know. And if you have a dream and you're out on the pitch training every day, and and, and then I was lucky and I got into the team very quickly. You know, six months later I was making my debut for the club. Um, and I think that's what kept me going and I had a dream and I didn't want to give up. Was religion a big thing for you? Were, were you particularly religious? And I, I ask because there's a great photo of you meeting the Pope yeah. uh, and it really looks like you're just beaming, you know, and yeah. uh, John Aldridge is there beside you kind of, I don't know, you seem to be finding the whole thing quite amusing, the yeah. whole experience, but were you religious growing up? We were. We brought up in Catholic family. We went to Mass on a, on a regular basis and October devotions came around. You had to be marched up to October devotions for the full month and all of those things, confessions, all of the things. But I probably used used religion in a way that, that uh, going, to, going to Scotland as a as a sense of, of something I could get, throw myself into almost to help me get through the stressful times. You know, when you go to Mass, even before games you did it. Now I wouldn't, and I probably was a bit selfish about it all, I'll be honest. Uh, nowadays, that wouldn't be the case. I wouldn't be as selfish. Probably I treated it a wee bit differently. S- selfish so, in the sense that it's... Uh, yeah. Please, God, help, help, help me help get me through this game. game yeah, kind of that type of stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and really, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think that that's what religion's about but that's how I, I used it and and maybe when you're under stress you do turn to those things you need something and, and uh, it didn't help me in some games it helped probably I felt it helped me in others you know and uh, 
you know, that, that's that's why I, I probably religion at that time and as a young man going away from home too, it probably helped um, and that. But I wouldn't ram it down anybody's throat. Um, it was a personal thing to me. Uh, and as, as I said now, as I'm older, I probably uh, am not as religious as I was. I still go to mass. I still believe, but I wouldn't. My, my kids, we have that conversation every so often yeah, <laughs> when yeah, it comes yeah. around to it. Uh, but uh, that's that's the way we were brought up in that era. I think probably now kids are brought up a wee bit differently. But it's about respecting people and it's giving everybody. And that's why I love the, the situation with my father-in-law and all of that. Yeah. Living in Glasgow, the Celtic Rangers thing. It's respecting each other's beliefs and 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 uh, and who who do you want to to support and get on with it? Did your father-in-law, by the way, stick to that promise to support? Well, he was a very neutral fan. Right, okay. uh, put it that way. He came up to support me, and he and he used he took my son then for for years, and he went with uh, my. He's mentioned in the book Connell Boyle, whose cousin lived over there, and they all went went to the games. Uh, but he was always a neutral, and and he would be sitting up in a stand, and he would infuriate probably the selling supporter because the team would come and probably score against us and play well against. And he was, ah, it's not a bad team now. Jeez, they're good players. <laughs> and the Celtic fan does not want to hear that, guys. They just think about their own team, and that's it. When you, I mean, you were living in Glasgow all throughout the 80s, it was a fairly fraught time in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you mentioned in the book, you grew up in part of Donegal, which was almost a holiday resort for everyone from across Ireland and Northern yeah. Ireland. Uh, and it was kind of, a, it was an apolitical kind of upbringing. You weren't, you, you, yeah. it, didn't, it wasn't really something to touch you. But then you're, you're the Celtic goalkeeper. Um, you know, a Catholic guy from Donegal in, in Glasgow in the 70s and 80s. I mean, were the times when, when that whole situation, everything that was going on, um, sort of did touch your life? Well, you know, it was a bit surreal in, in many ways because we were probably detached from it as players. Funnily enough, it's, it's terrible to say that, but we weren't out in the factories. We weren't on, on the shop floor. We weren't having to turn up on a, on a Monday and, and into, into a floor where Celtic and Rangers and, and ha- having to suffer... That sort of banter, let's call it banter between yeah. them. We we went in and did a job, uh, but I must admit, in all my time in Scotland, all my time in Glasgow, especially, I've never had anybody give me abuse out on the street. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've probably stayed away from it in many ways too, but I've never gone out and somebody's come up to me and started giving me a stick. Yes, at the games, of course, Celtic Rangers, you get a little bit of abuse, um, and it's worse. It's worse, guys when you get abuse from your own fans when you make a mistake really <laughs> that's always the worst um, and that's yeah. so but but in the main no it's it's you know yes it's there without that rivalry without that banter and it's probably in the last three or four years with Rangers not being in it in one way it was it was good because we didn't have all the hassle around it and in another way the competition was gone and you know as a player uh, you want to be in the heat of the competition. You don't want to be going out and not having that there. Uh, well, you know, some people in society would say better not having it. Uh, I think the fans in general now, most of them would say, let's take it on again. Let's let's get Rangers back in there, and we'll see how 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 it goes. Um, and that, but you know, that's 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 my 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 thoughts on it. Packy, you, you hear a lot now from sports people about the. And I think it's maybe what a lot of sports psychologists would say when you're playing these big, huge games to try not to get too high or too low. So yeah. if you do really well, if you're in a massive game and your, your team wins and you're the hero, try to be level enough about it. Yeah. And similarly, if things go wrong, now you've been uh, at the centre of maybe the most fo- famous moment in the history of Irish football when you saved the penalty against Romania. 94, things go badly for you when you let yeah. Bim Young's shot slip through. Did what you? Was that? I <laughs> <remember> <laughs> you about the second part. Yeah, I don't hear that anymore. That, did you? Um, did you stick to that mantra of not getting too high and then not getting too low? 
It's very difficult yeah. to do that, you know, and you're a goalkeeper anyway. It is a very good mantra, and for a goalkeeper, it's the perfect way to be because if you get too high, the next day you go out and you make a mistake, you're gone. But with the motion of what we went through in 1990 and all of that, I think I think that that, that was amazing. Yeah, you couldn't possibly, you couldn't just, possibly be just be level-headed. Yeah. You had to, you had to, and we, we had a wonderful time. And I think in, in 1994, when I did make that mistake, people don't talk about it, which I'm delighted with at times, but we're talking about it now. Um I must say that was a low point. That was a low, low point because we were out of the World Cup. The, yes, we got to the group stages, but we were out of the World Cup. We made the big mistake in front of millions of people. I was glad it was coming to the end of my career. I'll be perfectly honest. I think if that happened to me in my middle of my career or early on, it would have affected me. Really, yeah? Yeah, I, d- I definitely think so. And, you know, as I said, I'm an introvert, and how do I handle all those things? I use religion. But uh, I suppose at that point in time, I needed I, I probably needed a psychologist <laughs> in many ways. I needed the sanctuary of going back to Donegal. I needed those things that I always used to get me over that because that took me a long time to get over that moment. I mean, one thing I uh, I remember watching it, uh, and something I didn't know at the time, was that uh, Lou McCary, but a few weeks previously, had said to you, "Paggy, I'm releasing you," yeah. and that was it. Like it's 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 really just uh, you know from Brutal Celtic, end, just right? just to sort of yeah, you, you're gone. So that that would have been in your head as well. This kind of uh, well, no, to, to be honest, it was. I knew I knew it was coming. I'd be very listen. I was thirty four years old. I couldn't remain at Celtic for much longer. I was there seventeen years, and it was fantastic seventeen years. Uh, at the time, it hurt because of the way it was done. Probably more so. I, I came back from a game, and Lou took me in and said, "That's it." Um, I, but I kind of knew it was coming, and then I had sort of the. Uh, it nearly happened. I was going to go to Kilmarnock with Tommy Burns and Billy Stark. We had agreed a deal and everything. So that was good. I knew that was going to happen. And then I had still the World Cup to look forward to. Uh, so I got I got out of my system fairly, fairly quickly. Mm. Uh, whether it affected me when I went uh, went to the World Cup, I doubted very much. I no, I just I just thought in terms of what you what was maybe going through your mind. Did Lou McCarry flash into your mind and the thought of him watching that at home and going... Oh. <laughs> you know, I think Lou, Lou though, might have been even sacked by then because I mean, he, he ended up. Uh, yeah, you ended up staying. Yeah, I think he was going because Tommy Burns had 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 come. He he. When I was in the World Cup in '94, I got a phone call from Tommy Burns. I, I got a couple of phone calls, but I got a phone call from Tommy Burns to say that that he he uh, he had the job, uh, and that he wanted to take me back. There was a. You talk about something that happened immediately after the game, or a couple of things that happened sort of on the on the day of that game. Um, which were very contrasting experiences. You've done well. You've read you. the book really in detail. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I read the book. You know, I mean, I read the, we talk about a book. I read the book. But you know, you went in and, and um, you met up with another former Celtic manager. You met up with a couple of people. I mean, you can tell us what happened. I think I met up with Liam. Was it? Is that who you're referring to? And he was there. He was working obviously for RT at the time. And uh, uh, and and you know. I only can talk about instances that affected me and how how it played out in my mind and so on. And you know, I'm, I'm a man from Donegal, and I think if something happens, um, you kind of talk to people. Uh, you really, you know, you'll go over whether it's good or bad or indifferent, and you'll you'll say how's it going and talk to them. And that didn't happen. Liam was in the same room as me, and he didn't he didn't react. He didn't say unlucky. He didn't say you're right. Uh, he didn't say anything. So that kind of stuck in my mind, and and that that I talk about it. And um, uh, you know, uh, and me and Liam gets on very well, and and and, and I Liam as a person, he's a good man, um, and that. But uh, that kind of stuck in my mind. And I, and remember, he was my agent, and he was the manager of Celtic, 
Uh, and here I was now in a situation uh, out in the World Cup where the world fell apart for me, to be perfectly honest. And uh, I thought maybe that, that uh, he might have come over and spoke to me. Eamon Dunphy did come over and speak to you. <laughs> he did. <laughs> a bit more than, than speak to you. He kissed me in the cheek. <laughs> he kissed me in the cheek. Uh, that's, that's Eamon, isn't it? You know, that's Eamon. And, and to be honest, when I came out of that lift after being up in the room with my family and said, let's go down and have a pint an hour later. And I, and I opened the lift. Lift opens and here's Eamon and he comes up and he gives me this big hug, uh, hug and a kiss in the cheek and I, and I, I did feel at times maybe oh, what's happening where's where this leading to where's he going to go is he going to now um, uh, but he didn't to be honest he didn't he didn't I don't know what he said obviously during the show he may have had had a bit of a go I hope he did because you know it was a horrendous mistake in one way but um, I hope he didn't make it personal. Uh, and I don't think he did, and he he's never had a real go at me in that capacity. So, and and he's always, any time I've spoken to him, he's always admired what what happened during the period of that. So that was that was what happened to me. But yep. I was a wee bit in shock when he kissed me in the cheek. I wasn't it? <laughs> there's, I mean, we we don't just sit here talking all day about the Holland game. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot of other things that uh, the good good moments and so on. I mean, I, I, it's always good reading about these, especially the Euro '88 stories. You know, it's these sort of. Uh, this setup of of the Ireland players, fans, and journalists all after a game kind yeah. of hanging, hanging love out it. together. I love it, guys. And I, I keep saying to you guys, this is what should happen now. Yeah. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all in it together. And, and the one thing, as I said in the book, was that everybody, everybody had a fantastic journey thereafter when we qualified. Uh, you know, you, those press guys like Charlie Stewart, Noel Dunn, you know, Gabriel Egan, brilliant guy, Peter Byrne, all of those older guys who've been around and gone to World Cups without Ireland being there, suddenly now they were going to World Cup with Ireland there in the European Championships. And it was wonderful them. They could write as much as they want. And it was a good time effort. I think things changed in 2002. Hmm. Uh, my theory around the, the negative story won the day and it, it won out and most people wanted to write about that I think don't think we've ever recovered from that because the negative thing is, is easy to write about N- never recovered in the sense of the relationship between the squad and the press is no, that, no not no? so much that not so much that but I think you know from a media point of view you know you have to write stories and the more more sensational stuff you have the better and, and that sometimes is around the negative uh, you know, in this country, you know, um, but I think during the period under Jack, it was very much positive, and I think people loved it, and people are still talking about it because they loved it emotionally. They loved it, mm. and um, and and that I hope that still continues. And at that time, there was a, I think, a decent relationship between the press, most of the press, and the players. And I think that was healthy. I think that was healthy. I mean, this, but also, I mean, I think Jack Shelton was probably a big part of it. You know, because he. He he had this kind of personality which was frightened you, yeah. <laughs> but it was kind of, it was kind of I mean there's a funny thing in it I I was amazed when I read this actually when he he talks about after the Italy game. Uh, he said to you, I think you're walking past him, he goes, yeah, the Pope would have saved that and all. <laughs> and I thought, that's a bit close to the bone. But it's, all, it's kind of a joke. It's the sort of thing that you'd be like, oh, well, you know. I, well, I don't know. How did you feel about that? You, no, no, absolutely. But, I, uh, but, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know he said that for years after it was Andy Townsend that, that re- reminded us of it. Um, but... Um, you know, that was Jack. Jack had a wonderful way to communicate with people. You know, he, he laid it on the line. This is what I expect. Bang, 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 bang. And I don't know what relationship he had with you guys or you would be a young man then, but the older guys. But I think he built up a good relationship also with the press. Some of them, with Eamon, he didn't have that, that great a relationship. But he said what he wanted. But there was a kind of a relaxed atmosphere with Jack. And he, and I loved the way that he communicated. He would put his arm around you, come up and talk and, you know, have a cry. And he would talk about something other than football, which also helped. 
and, and many many ways. Uh, so and, and that was part of he almost felt Irish in many ways to people. You know, people and that 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 to me is a good thing. He talked about the media coverage of 2002 and Saipan. Yeah. You used the word sensationalist, but. It was a sensational story. I mean, yes. even, even if the press underreported what happened there, yeah. it was still such a big yeah. thing. And you were part of it. You were the goalkeeping coach. And you've been speaking a little bit about this, yeah. about what went on. Uh, the, a lot of water is under the bridge and a lot of time has gone on. Do you still feel passionately about what happened over there? No. I, or, listen. Or is it something at this stage you can kind of just speak about it almost dispassionately as, as a, an episode that happened and that's it? Because there was so much, even people who weren't involved in that still feel strongly about things yeah. that happened there. So how are you? Yeah, no, how I'm, are you I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, definitely okay with it. I can I can move on. Um, at the time, it was not a nice thing to happen and it was not nice to be around it and in the middle of it. Um, and I don't think it did anybody any favours um, from a point of view. And I, I talked about it on the basis of a young person who went looking forward to a World Cup, maybe some of the... the those kids first World Cup ever and you know, think back to the memory of your first World Cup for European Champions I remember 1970 and it had a sensational effect on me even though Ireland wasn't there Brazil, Italy and so on I was talking to somebody today a uh, taxi driver and he was talking about uh, later on when he was a young man he was only 8 and, 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 and he remember a World Cup that, that affected him um, and, that, and that 2002 should have affected our young people in this country in a very positive manner maybe it did to a point but there was this hangover from what happened uh, and people don't don't remember that we nearly got to a quarter final. We mm. were one almost a penalty shoot shoot out away from it, uh, and that and that's what they should be remembering. The likes of Robbie Keane scoring against you know Germany and Cameron, you know all of that type of stuff. Um, that's what I I would like to. And we don't remember it for that reason. And it, and for me that's 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 not that's not right. Um, so, but I've put it in this place uh, the same way as Mick has, and I'm sure Roy has. Uh, and I'm sure the fans to a point have, and I would hope they have. You, um, not long after that, you got involved on as a technical director of yeah. the FAI. I worked there for a number of years. Um, you brought out a 200-page document about what you thought the future of Irish football should be. How happy were you with the work you got done there? How was that job compared to what you thought it might be? Well, it wasn't my document. That's the first thing. It was Brian Kerr started the process when he was technical director. He was given that remit, and he and he brought a group of people together. I was one of them, and uh, out of that think tank and gone round the country and, and 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 speaking to people, they produced a document. Of course, Brian would have his ideas. I would have had my ideas, and I had the job then when Brian left to finish that document off. And I was so delighted to have that document because it gives you focus. It gives give us real focus. I put an implementation plan around it over a four or five year period, um, and it was wonderful at the time because the big remit in it was the group participation. Uh, put some structures in place. The player development thing was probably the least part of it. You know because we had started off the emerging talent. With a, with a view that it would be a stepping stone into something bigger because Abbottstown wasn't built at the time. It was in its plan, but that would be where maybe the academy would go and that, that emerging talent would feed into it and try and grow that structure. The under international teams reported into the chief executive at the time, uh, all the managers, uh, and that changed later then when Vancouver Coovermans came in, uh, the high performance director. Yeah. So from that perspective, what was achieved out of it, I think there was enormous stuff achieved out of it. We became the 
the highest you know participation out of all the sports at that time. We had about 20 programs going. We grew our summer camps from 4,000 up to 20,000 in a short period of time. Uh, lots of other things going to schools. So we, we were, but it was only a stepping stone onto the next one. For me, the big mistake I made was probably I should have started the second one right away. I didn't have the experience of what happened and, you know, of, of you know, if you could have the experience of knowing what was going to happen, you would have started your next plan almost right away to start developing it. How do you mean of what was going to happen? Well, over that period, can, can you look back in something and say, well, do I wait till it's finished and review it, use what, what went well, uh, then maybe drop a few things out that didn't go well or restructure, whatever, and then go on to the next plan? Or do you start building your second plan fairly quickly after it and using that? So so that would be the, been my mistake, uh, probably. And we didn't then have another de- development plan coming in very quickly after it. Uh, but we continue doing it, and some some there's been some very good stuff out of it. Um, the question will always be players, you know, is there enough good young players coming through the system? Um, and they're relying on schoolboy teams to keep producing the players as there, and they have to go to England to be finished off. Can they get into the top teams over there? That's a big question. It's changed completely over there. You know, the phenomenon over there at the moment is that top players from all over Europe are coming in, but now they all want to go to London. They don't like Newcastle or Liverpool and, yeah. and that's affecting teams and that's that's the way things change in football very very quickly and those teams like Newcastle now are finding really struggling to, to compete with the big teams and this is Newcastle paying the biggest money ever but the players are ah, we go to London you know you obviously enjoyed that job and and uh you know, as you were saying, you got you got a few things done, uh, but then in 2010, you say you were sad, you had to leave. What upset you about that? Of course, I, I left uh, leaving Ireland after having an opportunity of eight years to work in it. It's a big, big part of your life, um, and you have to go on and try and find something else to do and move on. Uh, I was lucky that I was in, uh, involved with UF at the time, and I'm still now very heavily involved with UF, traveling around Europe, uh, doing a lot in the coach education side, tutor education, and it's been brilliant. And I've been working in Scotland, similar to what you guys do in the TV and radio and doing the games. And, so, and, I, and I threw myself back into the Scottish game because I live in Glasgow. And it took me probably about a year to get back into that and learn about the, the teams and the players, and, and, and that keeps changing every year, as we know. Did it take you a while to get over the uh, the upset that you felt at, I don't know if being let go was the right term, but of your, your time ending with the FAI? Did you feel you had more to offer in that role? Of course, of course. I, I still feel that I have something to offer in that role, uh, no matter where. If it's not in Ireland, it's some other country. I feel that the experience, the thing about, about any experience, by the end of that experience, you're in the better position you know more you have you've had all of the things that went well not so well and you've, you've been able to work them out in your head um and uh you know that's that's something that and i love i love strategy i love i love doing all that type of stuff um and uh you know when, when you give that up and you, you you don't have something unless you fall into a job very quickly then uh, you know you're disappointed with that because you would like to continue doing that type of type of stuff no matter where it is the stuff i do at uefa is similar to a point and I love that because we're working with a good group of people and we're, we're now trying to roll something out that was never there before, which is always nice. I was speaking recently to a guy who was a very big player for Ireland who said that, in his opinion, it's crazy that uh, throughout the FA structure there's so few former players involved, that, that, that there's a whole pool of experience out there which is being wasted or not really taken advantage of. Uh, by Irish football I mean would you agree with well, that well the first and foremost thing is that you have to commit yourself also you know I committed myself to come over here 
and to work in Ireland. Uh, that's not most of the Irish players who are international players are living abroad. Nell Quinn's come back uh, to live in, but it's not. There's very few has come back to live in this country. So I think if you're going to make that decision and you want to be involved, then you have to be prepared to come and live in this country uh, and, and be part of it and be part of it and commit to seven days a week, 24 hours, seven days a week. Uh, and that's that's not easy for most people to make that commitment. Uh, but when I was involved in the FAI, all there was a huge amount of ex-League of Ireland players got jobs. And I was really delighted with that because those were guys that's been around the League of Ireland, young professionals, who semi-professionals, people who loved the game, uh, and now got an opportunity to come back in to give something back into football. You know, And there was lots and lots of them, and they're still there. So, so from that point of view, uh, the Irish players or the Irish uh, professional has been taken care of to that point. Paddy, very last, uh, very quick word. Are we going to beat Germany? Well, I, I have this vision, I have this dream. You know, it's nice to have dreams, isn't yeah. it, guys? And, 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 uh, and I have this dream that Scotland are going to beat, beat Poland. That's a nightmare. That's not good. No, no. Listen, hear me out. Scotland are going to beat Poland. And we, I don't think we're going to get something against Germany because Germany has come to the fore now. But yeah. we want a good performance from the lads. They're not disappointed. They've, they've, they've given it everything, but they may not beat Germany. And then we go into the last game. And Poland are going to be really nervous, going to be, I won't say the word, but, and we go to Poland and we beat Poland. Poland's gone. We qualify in second place. Everybody's happy. Sounds good to me. Listen, the book is called Packy Bonner, The Last Line. Great to have you Thank here. You. Thanks, Thank you very much. The training pitch is all stress. Somebody's got somebody's to hold a hand up and say, it's like training on a car park. No, 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 no regrets about it, you know. As soon as you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Who, John Delaney? He could have found me, of course he could have. Try my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. As an ex-player, and as an Irishman, and I mean an Irishman, uh, born in Radio, then I, I felt I was entitled to give my opinion. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. Why don't you turn it off? I say it's blind silence. You just gonna let it ring. Alright, it's good manners. Play a video game. If that was my team, I'd go into the dressing room and I wouldn't even mention that ball. I'd just say, why didn't someone put their head in it? France would definitely take it, and Ireland never grabbed it. Usual. Usual stuff. Afraid of that next step. Mentally not strong enough. But they can complain all they want, and all these players, they can complain all they want. It's not going to change. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. I hope you enjoyed that with Paki Ken. Interesting exchange at one point in that interview there regarding Paki Bonner himself being an introvert. Oh, yeah. He, he feels you're an extrovert. He's decided that he's going to judge. I didn't, like, I didn't like to disagree. Would you describe disrespect, yourself as an extrovert? I wouldn't have disrespected Packy Bar by oh, no, of course disagreeing with him. Would have been a slightly awkward exchange. Well, actually, Packy, you're totally wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I would. I would. I like like Packy. I too draw energy from long, lonely walks on the beach. Actually, I don't at all. <laughs> I hate walking. FIFA, <laughs> you draw, you draw, you play a lot of FIFA. By yourself. I mean, that's but it's a similar. Well, I didn't yeah, since yeah. my since my um, games console was burgled. 
oh, no. a, a tragedy for me. But he's, uh, by the way, listeners, he's trying to get you to set up a fund it on his behalf. <laughs> That's basically he's trying to crowdsource his next games. I'm console, not trying so. to. I'm not trying to do that at all. But you know, okay, sure. I, but I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a massive extrovert on you know. But I suppose uh, I don't know. Maybe compared to Packy Boner, I am. I have one of my hunches. That's Go on. Ireland two, <laughs> Germany five. <laughs> it's going to be an all-out goal fest. I don't, then we can feel good. No, let's, let's be say, all right, wouldn't it? Let's say we had a crack. Yeah, but let's yeah. say we had a crack. Four two, five two, something like that. We the results comes in from Poland. Late goal by Lewandowski to win one nil, and then Richie's prediction will come true. We'll be dancing in the st- in the stands. Either way, bring your transistor radios, folks. <laughs> it's going to be a tense night. Our huge weekend coming up for the rugby team as well with the France game on Sunday. I'm forgetting what games. Yeah, it is Sunday. On Sunday yes, yes, yes. Uh, so we're going to preview that one in our next podcast today. We'll have Matt Williams in studio for that one and Shane Shag Horgan. Horgan. Well. That's the guy. Yeah, Matt Williams and, <laughs> and Shag Horgan. Uh, thanks very much, Mer. Thank you all. Thank you, Ged. Thanks, thank you, Ken. Karen, thank you all. Um, I'm going to go off and try to find that scarf. All right, take care. We'll talk to you later. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.